We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Alexander, got it! Very nice early post up by Adams working inside. Whistle and one! Oh! And T. Ferg rocking the rim! What is up, Thunder fans, and welcome to the Uncontested Postgame Podcast, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you today by Indochino. Um, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, depending on where you fall in the great tanking debate, the Thunder dropped to 8-12 and on the season after losing yet again to the Indiana Pacers, this time losing 107-100 to at home. Fortunately for you all, however, I am joined by none other than Hayden Peterson. He is a former Overtime Heroics writer and currently a the talk sports writer. For both of those sides, he was covering the OKC Thunder. But most importantly, he is my youngest brother. Or my little brother, I guess. He's my only little brother. I have two younger siblings, Riley and Hayden. He is my youngest of my two siblings. Um, this is really special for me. We've been trying to do this for a while, Hayden. Um, I've been trying to get you on the, the post-game podcast whenever I've been doing one, and it's hard to match up our schedules, but now Hayden's a big boy. He's in college these days. So my days of uh, when I was like, what, eight, and you were... What? Three? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> three. Two. Or I guess it'd be like nine, and you were four, yeah. when I was swatting your your shots on the little <laughs> Tykes basketball goal, thinking I was all cool and such. And here we are, doing a post-game podcast covering the OKC mm-hmm. Thunder. So Hayden, how are you feeling after tonight? Really quick. I'm feeling we'll good. All of it. Thunder did what they're supposed to. Competed. Was fun to watch. Kept the fans in the game. But more lottery balls. You're speaking my language. That's why. That's what I like to hear. Um, so as I mentioned, the Thunder dropped yet another close game. Um, our guy Nick Crane. Hayden knows Nick very well. Nick was over 
helping swat some of those those basketballs on the little tyke's rim, right? Uh, when we were growing up, Nick is on Twitter at Crane NBA, and he was actually at the game tonight, covering um, the game for I believe the uh, for, for Forbes, um, also the uncontested, <laughs> and he was treating for both our podcast account at the underscore uncontested as well as his his personal Twitter account. So be sure to give both those a follow. Uh, he has some great content. And he actually posted some post game interviews following the game. Um, including Billy. I think he had a CP3 interview, so definitely be sure to go and check that. Now, Hayden has some themes for this game, but before then, let's jump into a quick overview of tonight's tough loss to Indiana because they kept it close. Like you mentioned, you know, they're mm-hmm. continuing to compete against some great, great teams like Indiana. They're solid from top to bottom, even without Oladipo, right, with his injury. So for, first quarter happens, and this is really exciting. It's, it's actually the Stephen Adams show. He got the team going early. Basically, he owned Miles Turner, which was super surprising because uh, Miles has been playing great this season. We knew it was going to be his night when he hit his first two free throws, which has been a theme over the past couple of games, but not so much this season. Four or four from the free free throw line in the first quarter. Um, Gallo didn't really have it going. He was kind of slow to start the game. Uh, Nerlens and Shooter both brought great energy off the bench. Shooter really kind of got it going from a scoring standpoint, which is huge for this team, which we've talked about in the, on this podcast in the, in the past, uh, or the past couple of weeks, actually. Deontay actually got first quarter minutes, which is interesting. And the other point that I have here, Baisley is pretty aggressive in his minutes. Uh, he got fouled on a strong move, and I you can just see him starting to continue to gain confidence even if he's not putting up the stats. And I think that's really promising for a young player like Baisley who shows all the potential but still is just undeveloped. And then finally, you know, we were up 29 to 26 at the half. Thunder up three. We'll absolutely take that first quarter. Yeah. So second quarter happens, right? And Truer comes out just blazing. Um, he kept scoring. He's making all the shots. He had one of the shooter quarters. He really is a, like, hot or cold player. And not only from game to game, but quarter to quarter. And we saw that in the second quarter. He just came out blazing, basically. Um, Shea continued to miss shots, but made several plays to find shooters. And finally got a couple shots to fall. Even though he wasn't making the shots, it was really cool to see him kind of create for others. I think Gallo had some really good passes, but he still didn't really look to score. And um, another thing is, like, it'd be really cool to see Gallo start to look down low. And I don't think he really has done that so much particularly this first half. That was something that was really noticeable to both, I think, you and I. We talked about this before the podcast. Steven, he took one shot the whole quarter after four in the first. He is perfect from the floor. The entire night, he only got one shot in the second quarter, and that's just unacceptable, essentially, regardless of who the responsibility falls on, which we'll get into that here soon. Um, Chris Paul, he seemed confident in, in Steven, and he continued to feed him the uh, continued to feed him the ball. Uh, Chris Paul, not just to Steven, but in general, he had five assists uh, after the first half. So that's huge for this team to see Chris trusting in others. Third quarter happens, right? Gallo, he makes the the slow third quarters come to an end. It was a slow start, but he hits four threes pretty early in the quarter. Steve made a great backdoor pass to Shea for a dunk, which was exciting to kind of see Shea kind of get involved there. Perk seemed a little more aggressive in the third and had a great finish at the rim. He continues to play fantastic defense. He really does. He played great defense all night tonight, but he cannot find confidence in his offensive shot, and that's really concerning. It's almost like he's turning into a form of a Dre. I don't want to call him a Dre, per se, because he's not playing exactly like Dre did, but he's a solid defender, 
and he's struggling finding confidence on the offensive end, even if he has had some hot games, I guess, to start the season. Um, the other point I have here in the third, I don't want to jump on that too much yet, but the next point I have on the, uh, in the third quarter is that Shea seemed to find a little more rhythm. Um, his shot's not falling still, but he he drove a little, a little more to the rim, had a little more confidence, and like you said before we started uh, podcasting, Hayden, I think he was a little more confident in this quarter, which is good to see. Yeah. Finally, Schroeder ended aggressive, um, maybe a little too aggressive because he kind of started to cool off. <laughs> so yeah. fourth quarter happens. Uh, Steven continued to be dominant once he was brought back in. Dennis was not settling for threes, and he was attacking the room, which is great, but he was still a little out of control, uh, comp- especially compared to the first half. Shea finally hit a three with confidence, which is good because we need him to take those shots, which, again, we will get into here in a second. And then Chris Paul had an alley-oop to Noel, which was awesome. I actually have a stat on this, and I didn't take a screenshot of it when I was scrolling through Twitter this morning before I went to work. Um, but Noel is up there right behind, I believe it's DeAndre Jordan. And I, I want to say it was uh, pick, in the pick-and-roll uh, efficiency, but I, again, I could be completely making this up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but regardless, um, somebody tweeted this out and was like the Chris Paul effect, and it was Nerlens Noel right behind DeAndre Jordan. Um, That's awesome. I found it very interesting. This is poor podcasting because I should have that stat pulled up. Uh, but regardless, I will try and look that up. I will tweet it. From, our, from my personal account and um, have it tweeted or quote tweeted from the uncontested. Regardless, Noel has really has been playing really great. Um, not as great as Steven particularly has over the past couple of games. Not like he's been quote-unquote healthier. But uh, it's really cool to kind of see no, uh, Nerland's development with Chris Paul this season. Next couple of points I have here before we, we break into some overall themes. Shea really got aggressive trying to come back, which was awesome to see. We really need that from a guy like Shea, particularly when the torch, torch will kind of be handed to him, I think, post-trade deadline. Ferg breaks an open three for the tie, which is really uh, upsetting, but this just proves the kind of player that Ferg is. I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, Hayden. Um, he then turned over an inbound pass. Or, sorry, wait. Oh, dang it. Sorry, I I, uh, I thought that he uh, he actually intercepted an inbound pass, <laughs> but he he actually turned the ball over on inbound pass. Sorry, um, so that's frustrating to see. It's almost like when he hits that or when he's missing those threes, it affects his confidence. Um, sorry, I was I had it in my head that he had deflected that inbound pass, which would have been huge <laughs> for this team, particularly at that point. Unfortunately, that was not the case. We wish. Yeah, exactly, which he, he's very capable of doing. I thought he played great defense again tonight. Um, but regardless, overall, um, the Thunder were outscored 28-22 in the fourth quarter. They were outscored again. Um, well, actually, uh, so, sorry, this is really bad podcasting, but the Thunder outscored the Pacers 29-26 in the first quarter. Um, they were outscored 23-21 to in the second. They were outscored again 30-28 in the third. And then, like I mentioned earlier, they were outscored 28-22 uh, to end the game in the fourth quarter, which is frustrating. They end up losing 107-100. to So, now that we've given an overview of tonight's game, um, we have some positive and negatives to get into t- for tonight's game. Uh, hey, I, I know you probably have listened to a lot of our posting podcasts and have listened to our podcasts in general, but I've really enjoyed doing some positive and negatives for each game. I feel like it's a really fun and efficient way to kind of break down each game that I've been doing for our posting podcast that I've been assigned to. At this point, honestly, uh, Jacob probably needs to get me a positive and negative sounder because <laughs> I've been doing it a little too much. But before that, a word from one of our sponsors. 
So guys, the holidays are coming up. And if you're like me, you're in need of a new suit. Don't know if you guys have seen RJ Barrett's attire coming into games for the New York Knicks. And again, I know the Knicks are struggling, but RJ's he's been really impressive. And he has been looking big time, both on and off the court. And off the court, that can be contributed to Endochino. Endochino's process is simple. You choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your, submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. And you can get measured, design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom, or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering the Blue Wire code at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE, for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. And darn it, this means I have to get Hayden a $399 suit at a great price for Christmas. I'll take it. <laughs> I need one. I got paint. Man. On my, my brand new suit, I got got paint all over the... Paint? Yep. Ugh. Ugh. Man, that's rough. These college kids these days. Goodness. <laughs> all right, now, for some positives and negatives for tonight's game. And again, Hayden, I know you, you've listened to my, my postings podcast in the past, so you know how this goes. But... I always like to end on a positive note. A positive note. You're like me. We're positive people, right? Yeah. So let's start with some negatives. Um, so I think we need to start out with the locker room. This is a little concerning. Uh, I'm not going to report anything here without some like solid approved sourcing. But um, I was told tonight's locker room was not a great environment. And then to back that up, um, it seems like Adam um, – oops, sorry, my – my document messed up here, but Adam Francisco at Suave Francisco underscore, he had a interesting tweet, and he said, uh, "quote unquote loud, frustrating scream, screams coming from the Thunder locker room after tonight's loss, which is concerning, obviously." This has been a fear of mine. Um, just keeping that balance in the locker room and keeping competitive in games, but doing what is best for the team, which is obviously losing games. And how are some of these veterans going going to respond to that? And so it's. This is a little scary. So, Hayden, my question for you is, in your personal opinion, who do you see wanting to remain competitive, and who do you see which, – which player do you see getting upset about losing games like tonight? Um, I thought this was very interesting because you obviously don't want to hear that as a fan, but um, I would say Gallinari. Um, I think he would be the one to really get upset because he's at a point in his career he obviously wants to win. He's been playing really good, and – if anybody was going going to go in the locker room and scream, I would probably say it was him. But then again, I mean, CP3, he's going to be the no-brainer. He's going to want to win. Um, but at the same point, I think CP3 has realized that the Thunder are at a point where it is more of a developing phase, and he's going to do what he can to win. But um, the screaming extent, though, I'm not sure if that would be CP3, but it could be because maybe he does want to show these younger players like Shea and Baisley, how important winning is. And, I mean, it's frustrating when you don't win. So I could see CP3 doing that too. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Song. I'm very much with you on CP3. I think Gallo is an interesting um, one to throw out there because he is very competitive and he's such a great basketball player, obviously, just from top to bottom. Yeah. That absolutely makes sense that he would be one of those guys to 
to actually uh, try and encourage the younger guys, right, and try to get them to compete like that. But so far, what I've seen from him in OKC is that's not really his personality, right, to kind of yell and scream at guys. So I'm with you on CP3. 100% could see that on, from CP3. But somebody else I want to mention here is Dennis Schroeder. Um, his leadership so far this season, it's been very apparent both on and off the floor. Again, on the floor, it's a little frustrating because he's jacking up uh, essentially more shots than anybody else on the team. And again, I don't have these the stats pulled up in front of me, but there's been many games, as we talked about on this, this podcast uh, in general, so far this season where he has led the, the team in field goal attempts for a game. And uh, that's starting to become a little more frequent, which is a little concerning, which... Again, like, it's great if you're trying to win games, but in where the Thunder are at right now, I'm not sure that's exactly in their best interest. And even then, it almost is, like, kind of detrimental to them and detrimental to the development of younger players, even detrimental, uh, like, when when Shooter doesn't have it going, right? Yeah. Um, but then you see him on the bench, and he's clapping. He's standing up the entire time. He's trying to encourage other players. So my guess would be either CP3 or Shooter. Schroeder, I could definitely see that. I didn't think of him initially, but he's got the attitude too. Yeah, no, he's definitely, he's got a little bit of attitude to him. I think that's a good point. So I'm very curious. Uh, Hayden, I'll have to get you back on at some point, kind of see where you think Schroeder would fit with other teams in the NBA, um, because I would not be surprised. And there's there's been a little like whispers. And when I say whispers, I mean like, you know, the Royce Youngs, like just kind of hypothetically throwing out uh, ideas on podcasts and national media on Twitter, kind of throwing out ideas of guys that would, uh, or of teams, sorry, that would that would fit Schroeder and, and that Schroeder could potentially be traded. So yeah. anyways, that, w- that would kind of be my guess. But that's, I like that Gallo, that Gallo pick. That's kind of an oddball, but he's such a competitor. I just don't think he understands the whole developing scene as much as some of the other veterans that's just yeah, kind no, of the vibe right. i he, feel from him right he's kind of like chris ball in terms of like he's here to win i think yeah. that's a good point that's a good point which is probably why he'll be traded yeah <laughs> come <laughs> trade the line right uh, another reason that he would be traded yeah but my next negative here is steven adams and people are thinking probably thinking listeners here are like steven adams was great tonight what are you talking about and yes, he was so great, and that's precisely the issue. <laughs> After a slow start this season, not not tonight's game, this season, uh, that I myself was very critical of because I predicted Steven to get his first all-star appearance this year playing with CP3. And I was very, very wrong so far. But these past three games, Steven has looked much more like that all-star pick that I thought he could be, the potential all-star pick. He's averaging 17 points, 10.3 rebounds, and has been a plus four in the past three games. It's been big time. So why the negative? Well, the negative here is that the Thunder continue to not look for Steven enough, and they just continue not get him involved after his hot starts. And it's just, it's so confusing. Like, after last year, uh, we saw this last year, right, with a completely different personnel, but it's continued even with the new personnel. You know, Steven had five of his shots in the first quarter. He had three more the rest of the game. And per our guy Nick Crane, um, it just it seemed like Billy has tried to fix this by facilitating offense more through Steven and Nerlens, but it hasn't worked. So my question for you, Hayden, what is the issue? Is it a coaching problem, or is it just Steven as a player, or is it a little bit of both? My um, answer would be both. Um, Billy obviously wants to start the games with going to Steven and getting him going which I think is a great game plan because Steven is one of those players that 
if he does have a good start, I think that will translate to the rest of the game. Um, so that works. But after that, we can all see that the ball stops going to him. So why would Billy stop that if it's working early in the games? That's where I put it on Billy. But I also put it on Steven because Steven's the veteran on the Thunder team. He's been here longer than anybody now. Um, he needs to demand the ball more. Uh, what He was 4-4 four for four in the first quarter just killing everybody. So what's wrong with him getting on the block, yelling for the ball, saying, give it to me? That's that's my opinion on that. Um, and I know the new offense takes him off the block a little bit more, but even that, uh, there was some point in the game, I think it was Brogdon got switched on him, and it didn't even look like he was trying to yell for the ball. He was posting him up. But I think Shea had the ball, and he didn't even look at him. And if I'm Steven Adams, I'm sitting there yelling, give me the ball. Like I have a guard on me. I haven't missed all game. Like why? I don't understand why he wouldn't be more demanding for that. Exactly. I think you bring up bring up great great points. You even brought up a specific point in the game, which I think is uh, fantastic. That was a great example, and I I think that's a little bit of both. I'm exactly with you. Billy has to demand that Stephen gets the ball a little more. Uh, I think he's a little concerned to do that. Obviously, last year with the personnel that he had with Russell Westbrook and Paul George, makes sense. This year, maybe he wants Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder, and Chris Paul, or uh, goodness, not Chris Paul, I said that, um, and um, Shea to have the ball in their hands a little more. But regardless, you've got to feed Steven. It's a little frustrating that it's they're frustrating. going away from it. Right. It, 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 it's like particularly when he's been playing so well these past couple of games. It seems like they're going to him as they always have early in the game, right? And they finish with him. Uh, early or uh, late in the late in the game as well to to finish the game and it's just I don't know it, it's hard to wrap my head around but I think another aspect to that like you mentioned Hayden is he just he's such a go by the book guy right he's not he's going to demand the ball very like that um, if you read Fred Katz article on the Athletic the man wears the same pairs of shoes for as long <laughs> as he can until they are ripping right he he goes barefoot for as long as he can before it gets too cold and he throws on sliders like. That's just the kind of guy that Stephen Adams is. So, all of that to say, like it would be really nice to see see um, Stephen get a little more um, a little more nader in him yeah. in terms of confidence. So, I guess my next negative here is that there are only ten free throws in a home game, which is really frustrating. We have guys like Chris Paul, Shea, um, Stephen. Guys like that that I mentioned, it, it that's frustrating frustrating to see, especially with Steven being aggressive. He only gets four free throws. Chris Paul shot a huge number of uh, zero free throws, Hayden, <laughs> which means n- no, no rip moves, moves for Chris Paul. <laughs> When's the last time that happened? No it, rip moves. Exactly. That's a great point. Um, Shea should be thriving at the free throw line, and especially the way we've seen him drive to the rim this season. So it's really frustrating to see him not getting – any more free throws. Do you have an answer for that? Is that just the Pacers, or what are your thoughts on that? It's tough to say because I did look at some of the free throw attempts in previous games, and I think we shot 26 against the Pelicans last game. So I wouldn't say it's a trending thing at all, but tonight I I wouldn't even say there's an answer. Obviously, Miles Turner getting pulled out of the lane with Steven and Noel playing at the high post. That could be a factor, having him not down there trying to block shots. But still, especially with players like Shea who drive so much, just I don't I don't know. Honestly. It's hard to say, give an answer to that. 
And I think a lot of that could be because of their uh, their fantastic interior players that they have, right? Yeah, and, Pacers uh, have a great defense. A very great player that us OKC fans kind of miss. <laughs> I don't know if, if it's fair to say that we would wish we could have him back because of all that we got in return for him when it comes to the obviously the Paul George trade um, full chart. <laughs> but Demas Sabonis has been fantastic for them over the past two seasons. So good on the offensive end and the defensive end. And then you have Miles Turner as well. Like that two, whatever you want to call it, the twin tower duo. I mean, they have, uh, they're, imagine trying, imagine being Shea and driving to the rim with those two guys down on the blocks. Like there's just no way. Even if you're as good as Shea is, and as long as Shea is, that's just, that's so hard. So I think that could be a big part of it. But regardless, that's something the Thunder have to fix, right? Um, so I want to move on to one more negative. I'm going to combine kind of these two things that we have here into one being the Thunder point guards slash shooting guards. If you want to call Shea a shooting guard, because these two struggled, um, Shea has been struggling kind of a little more long-term, I think Hayden, but, uh, Chris Paul struggled tonight as well in terms of shooting or, or scoring. So first and foremost, you know, Chris Paul has been fantastic for the Thunders this season, and that's both on and off the court. And I recommend, if you guys haven't yet, um, be sure to check out Mark J. Spears' piece on the Undefeated. He had a lot of great tidbits in that article covering CP3's time um, in OKC, and it was, it was great. I really enjoy reading that. Again, he kind of dropped a little, like, interesting tidbits and also some, some really insightful I, I don't know, interviews with Chris Paul and, and others around him that I thought were great. However, CP3 did not make his first basket of the game tonight until about five minutes left in the entire game, which is just absurd. He ended with four points on two of nine shooting. However, he had 10 assists, so he was looking for others. And then finally, Shea, the other point guard on this team, again, which is typically a shooting guard uh, in terms of the starting lineup, but he can handle the ball, and he's kind of our point guard for the future as of right now, right? Pending future uh, draft picks. Shea is going to be such a great player, and I don't want to downplay that or disagree with that, but since his hot start to the season and with defenses adjusting to him, he struggled. And he continued to struggle tonight with 16 points on 7-19 shooting, only one free throw attempt, and he just he thrives on getting to the rim, so that's really frustrating. So Hayden, what does Shea need to do to break out of his slump, and what are your thoughts on CP3? Um, well, on Shea, I don't think he needs to do anything. Um, I mean, he's going to keep watching film, and it's obvious CP3's really taking him under his wing, so he's going to give him you know, tips on how to get his own shot when defenses are starting to key on him. But um, Shea's going to be a great player. It's not hard to see that. So I think the best thing for him is just to let the game come to him because when he does that, his shots are going to open up for himself and he's going to be able to dish it out to others, which we're already seeing, even with his shot not falling. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point. Um, and I think it's just good for his development, right? Being a young player yeah. and just seeing, um, you know, he got a, obviously a much bigger role coming to Oklahoma City and he did great at that. It's good for him. Right, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's very good for him. Um, and then teams kind of start to adjust to that in their scattering reports. He's one of the biggest or one of the top priorities on other team scattering reports. And then you kind of, it's going to be interesting to see how both, and I mentioned this on our, um, our weekly podcast this past weekend, but how both he and Billy adjust. What I mean by that is obviously Shay on the floor, but how Billy's going to be able to 
help him in his player development, right? Like how he's going to be able to get him into a position to, to succeed as defenses continue to adjust to how Shea plays, right? And um, this is gonna be, I'm really excited. I, I think Shea is going to be great. I think he's going to be able to make those adjustments. And this might be a little bit of a hot take, but I think Bill is going to be able to make those uh, appropriate adjustments for Shea as well as a coach and a great player development coach. So, uh, we'll try and go through these a little quicker because there are, that was a lot of negatives, <laughs> which is kind of tough in a loss like this. But finally, some positives. Hayden Steven Adams was just a monster. He had 20 points. He's the Thunder's leading scorer on a perfect 8 of 8 shooting with 9 rebounds. Tell me a little about a little bit about what you have seen from Steven over the past couple of games. He's back to being Steven. <laughs> That's the way around it. Everybody was getting down on him because he wasn't being himself. Obviously, he had injuries on his what, his right knee, I think. So had some that KTT, was, yeah, some KT tape on both of his shoulders, some yeah. suction ta- uh, suction cup marks, I guess you would call them, uh, on one of those shoulders. Seems like he's been battling a lot of different physical mm-hmm. injuries. The past three games, though, the even like take out the scoring, just watching him in the paint, he's bowling people again. He's pushing them out of the way with his arms, you know, doing his little hooks he does. That's just that's the real Steven, and I feel like he wasn't doing that at all at the beginning of the season. Exactly. I think that's a great point. Like, we have uh, praised Steven for his great hands. What we mean by that is, like, his, his great hand-eye coordination, essentially, right? Um all throughout his entire career, and it seemed like this season he just like wasn't he didn't even have that going. He was bumbling passes that were great passes from CP3 and Shea and and other ball handlers like Shooter. Um, and now he's he just seems a little more healthy again, maybe even in a better mental standpoint. Yeah, he looks and, more confident and more confident. I think that's the biggest thing. I'm with you. Speaking of confidence, Danilo Gallinari, he always has confidence. <laughs> <laughs> that is another positive. Um, he had a career high and threes made in a quarter, which was the third quarter, with four threes after really struggling from the first half. Ended with 18 points. He was 4-6 from three. Only 13 shot attempts, which is a little concerning to me in terms of, like, are we trying to win games? Um, but first off, Gallo should be getting, I think, more shots on this team. Like, if they really are trying to compete in terms of, and, you know, Billy wanted to compete, and Schroeder and CP3 and all the veterans that are wanting to compete. I think Gallo should be getting more shots. So, Hayden, tell me a little bit about what you think about um, his, his role on this team right now, what he should be doing, and then I want you to dive into his trade value a little bit. Um, well, his role on the team is a score, and that's just what he does best. Um, even when Gallo is missing some of his shots, like he came out tonight a little bit cold, but – he keeps shooting, and he's going to knock him down. He hit four in the third quarter, and I'm pretty sure they were all pretty close together at the beginning. Um, and give props to Billy on that, too, because one of them was off of an out-of-bounds play that Billy gave him, that's gave a, good him point. a shot. And I think that's, he should do that a little bit more for him sometimes, but right, I won't get into that. See, that's not what I, I – I don't mean to interrupt you there, but I think like we are seeing Billy drawing up, drawing up some of those plays. It's almost like he's kind of caught in between this limbo of like – okay, I wanted to compete with some of these great players like Dennis Schroeder and Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari, who I know can win me games, 
but I also know I don't want to win too many games. <laughs> I don't want to, like you just said, Hayden, I don't want to drop those plays every single time when I know they'll work. I don't want to run Chris Paul and Steven Adams in the pick and roll every single time the last three minutes of the fourth quarter when I know it will work because, like, those will win us games. So he almost seems stuck in this limbo as well. How do you feel about that? Like, what what do you think on um, on, on Billy's – like, do you think he knows – um, the direction of this team, or you think he's kind of stuck in like, okay, let's wait until trade the line, and then I can develop the young guys. Like, what are your thoughts on all that? I mean, he obviously knows the direction of the team. He's got very talented young players, and like a lot of people say, you mentioned it earlier. He's like one of the best things he does is develop young players. So, but he wants to win. That's his job. He gets paid millions of dollars to right. win basketball games. And uh, knowing just the Thunder, the way they are, Sam Presti, there's not a doubt in my mind that they don't go out there every game trying to win. Um, or trying to compete. Trying to compete, least. for sure, yeah. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't say that – I don't think he's sitting there thinking about do we want to win games during it. He's going to do what he thinks is best. But while saying that, I'm sure in the back of his head he is wanting to develop these players, you know, giving Shea the ball – you know, late in the game to get him that type of experience also. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's very well said. Very well said. It's his job as a coach to win games, uh, but at the same time, he also realizes where this franchise is at. I'm trying to focus on some of these younger guys, which is why it's kind of concerning um, for me, at least, as a very diehard Thunder fan who covers the team see guys like shooter get all those shots like i would just love to see some of those shot attempts uh, get distributed to a struggling shea to help him break out of a slump or a basely to help him gain more confidence or a stephen adams who was eight of eight from the field <laughs> and maybe make that like 10 Four of those of shots were in the first 14 quarter. from the field exactly exactly so anyways, that's uh, that's kind of my whole spill on that as well. But I think you know that on the head, Hayden. I'm very much with you. So before we get out of there, we had a couple of uh, really good Twitter questions. I wanted to pull two of those who I thought were, were really great before we end up wrapping this one up. So we've gone a little long here. But the first one is from Zach Sports Show, and he asked, why can't Billy use abs effectively when he is having a good game? And we touched a quite a bit on this but Hayden do you have any uh, specific answer to Zach Sports show um the only thing that I think us as viewers could say from that is the new offense at least that's the only real answer I can give uh Steven is a very gifted passer especially for a center I mean he had an amazing backdoor pass to Shea for a dunk today so even when he's not scoring he does good things at the high post and I don't know if that's Billy wanting him to do that and not to be as aggressive in the middle of the game. and But why Billy doesn't go back to him, like I said earlier, earlier, we don't know. That falls on him. <laughs> but yeah. I'd put it on Steven Adams. If he wants to score, demand the ball. Exactly. And that's just not his personality. And it's not, I don't think he won't ever do that. He needs um, to be more like that. Exactly. So he almost needs a coach. And this is such a like stereotypical answer, but like a Greg Popovich who's going to demand the ball goes did to Steven. Did Mark right? Bryant leave in the offseason? Yeah, remember he went to uh, Think Suns. That with, could be part of with it Monty. too. I didn't oh, even think oh, about that. Great point. 
Great point. That yeah, it's that's yeah. <laughs> it's a really good point. <laughs> a really good point I hadn't thought of either. Um so yeah, it's a, a little frustrating for sure. Um then our next one here is at John Edwin seven five five and he asked, Are Shay's struggles more related to him not having the ball on his in I think he, he said on his hands, I think he meant in his hands. So uh Shea struggles more related to him not having the ball in his hands more or a combination of the other team's defensive schemes against him. And then he asked a follow-up question, but let's answer that. So do we think it's Shea struggles related to him not having the ball in his hands more? So like AKA Shrewer taking the ball away from him, CP3 taking the ball away from him, or a combination of also other teams adjusting to his defense? I would say that's probably a combination of both, which is what I think he's trying to get to here. And obviously Twitter's really hard to put all that into a tweet. Um, he asked a follow-up question as well, but I would agree with him that it's a little bit of, of both. That, yes, shooter taking more shot attempts is detrimental, or more shot attempts, or the most shot attempts on the team is detrimental to Shea. But um, having Chris Paul and Schroeder, um, multiple ball handlers on the team with Shea, is detrimental to his, uh, his shot attempts and his scoring abilities. It could also be a positive, I think, if you spend that. Uh, in a way, but um, also obviously the defenses focus focusing on Shea and their scattering reports. I think is has been a big part of that as well. Uh, how would you respond to that first part of the question, Hayden? And then I'll ask you the second part. Um, I mean, you said it pretty well. I think it's both. Obviously, defensive schemes probably have changed on him because he's. I think he's averaging close to twenty, if not twenty now. Um, but. Like you said, Schroeder taking all those shots doesn't help him, but I personally don't think he's not losing the ball more because Schroeder's taking more shots. I think he has the ball in his hands just as much. I think he's just in a slump right now, and he's just got to get through it. He doesn't have the confidence, and he's not yeah. being as aggressive as Schroeder is or no, as Nader as is or as before Diallo's injury, yeah. uh, not as aggressive as Diallo was. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm i with you. Um, I think – so now the second part – of John Edwin 755's tweet. He asked also, what do you guys think of Baisley getting more point forward playing time in the future? He's had some really good moves today. Hey, I'm going to let you go first on this because you right, love uh, Baisley just as much as I do. In the whole development scheme of things, I think this might be the most important thing for the Thunder. Um, Baisley is very gifted with ball handling for his size. It's almost like a Kevin Durant. I don't like to compare him to Kevin Durant, but... <laughs> We can wish, but um, there was. I know a play what you today. mean in terms of his like he's a almost a what what is yeah, it, his like, structure and seven his footer. Game. You're right, yeah. He's yeah. long and lanky, and he um, in high school obviously it's a little uh, different because he didn't play college basketball or professional basketball overseas before he came over to the NBA. But like you said, Hayden, like when he was in college as a recruit, his biggest thing was being able to handle the ball, bring the ball up. He was taking pull-up threes. Yeah. I think it's kind of what you're getting at. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, you're fine, but I was going to say that there was one play where he got a rebound, and he took off. He didn't even look for Chris Paul or whoever was in the game at that time. He took off. When he got past half court, he hesitated a little bit, and I'm not sure on this, but I'm pretty positive this is where he made a strong move to the rim and got fouled. But um, he, he looks confident when he does handle the ball too, which you don't see with many rookies, especially forwards which is why I would love to see him get more more exactly. point forward. Exactly. Like minutes. Like you said, he hesitated at half court, 
And you know why he hesitated? Well, first of all, he's a rookie, right? But also because he has either A, Dennis Shooter, B, Chris Paul, C, Shea Gillis Alexander, three ball-dominant guards who are demanding mm-hmm. the ball which to, to facilitate the offense. That's how their offense runs, which is great. But you know what? Post-deadline, uh, post-trade deadline that. coming this February, as well as uh, after next summer. Well, if Gallo gets traded, does Baisley enter the starting lineup? Oh, that's also a great question. I would say I would yes, hope so. we're not going to win. I would so hope so. That's what I want to see. That, and that's my whole point. It's like, okay, let's think of this team. Let's say, best-case scenario for the Thunder's future development. And again, a lot of the listeners may not like to hear this, but let's say, best-case scenario for future development. The Thunder are able to trade Schroeder. Uh, they're able to trade Chris Paul. And then the main point guard is Shea. And then, you know, who knows who's starting at, sh- at shooting guard and small forward. But regardless, you have Shea and Baisley. I mean, I would love to see Baisley just rip a rebound on the defensive end and just take the ball coast to coast and either make it, facilitate a play for somebody on the other end, on the offensive end, or take it all the way to the hole, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I that's – yeah, no, I, I'm exactly with, with John Edwin there and – um I would love to see that. I think we will see that as more and more players get traded. And that's what's going to be super interesting to see. So I think that's all I have, Aiden. Do you have anything else to add to that? No. I think that's about it. <laughs> so thank you guys again for listening to the Uncontested Post Game Podcast. Another huge thanks to our sponsor, Indochino. And even bigger thank you to our special guest, Hayden Peterson. Hayden. Tell everyone where we can find you on social media and also where we can find your content. Um, you can find me on social media at hpeat15okc. I tweet everything thunder. It's nothing but thunder. He I also I stole my number when he was uh, uh, growing up. <laughs> lucky number, lucky number 15. Proud of um, him. Proud of him. But then you can find all my articles that I've written on thetalksportsmedia.com. So check those out. And it's a growing website. Follow them on Twitter at T-Talk Sports too. Tweet a lot of good stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, thank you, Hayden, again for joining us. It's been a lot of fun because me and Hayden text daily about sports, about everything. He's my little brother. I'm really proud of him. Uh, so this is really fun to get him on a podcast. I'm sorry this post-game podcast ran a little long because I had him on, but I'd love to have him on in the future when it comes to post-game podcasts as well. So be sure to give Hayden a follow. Really appreciative of him. Be sure to follow us as well, The Uncontested, anywhere you listen to your podcast, and leave us a five-star review to help us out. And then next up, Thunder will play the Minnesota Timberwolves on Friday, who actually are way better this season. Cat and uh, Andrew Wiggins, they've been playing great. So uh, from there, you will actually be able to listen to me again. I'll be in the post-game podcast on Friday as well. Be sure to give me a listen. If you guys appreciate this post-game podcast and my previous post-game podcast and all of our post-game podcasts, be sure to give us a follow and a rating. That would mean a whole lot to us. So until next time, as always, under up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.